Hello and welcome, all listeners, to Xavier Newswire Live, the radio show that will catch you up on all of the Xavier news from Ledgewood Drive to Dana Avenue and beyond. I'm David Ludwig. And I'm Will Pembroke. And in this episode of Newswire Live, you'll get to hear the Newswire multimedia crew bring you Inside Newswire with Editor-in-Chief Heather Gast. And after that, World News Editor Mo Younger will introduce a new segment, and we'll finish up with some hot takes with Associate Multimedia Editor Will Pembroke. That's enough for me now, so let's get right into the show. At this time, we'll turn over to the Multimedia Editor Hunter Ellis for his interview with Heather Gast. Welcome, all listeners, to this new mini-series of interviews called Inside Newswire. In this series, we'll be talking to members of the Xavier Newswire and get introduced to their roles and positions in the organization, their memorable experiences working with the Newswire, as well as their thoughts about the impact of student journalism in 2020. Today, I'm joined by the Editor-in-Chief of the Xavier Newswire, Heather Gass. Heather, how are you doing today? I am doing extra special now that I get to sit and talk with you, Hunter. Oh, he's so sweet. So, let's jump right into Inside Newswire, shall we? Of course. As the editor-in-chief, this very fancy title you have, what are some of the roles that you play in Newswire? I make sure everything happens by any means possible, pretty much. So, um... What most people see me at is they see me leading our meetings where our writers, our photographers and everything get assigned stories for the week. Um, People will see me at Newswire production, so our print production on Wednesday nights, they see me running around Gallagher. Literally, I do run skip, hop, and jump around Gallagher to make sure everything's coming through, but you know... um, I'm here at the back end brainstorming new ideas such as the radio show, Multimedia Wing, um, things like the internship I run, things like the convention I helped plan last year uh, alongside the uh, former editor-in-chief, and really just doing whatever the hell I want. (laughs) That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously you have to put in some long hours doing the (laughs) editor-in-chief role, right? Um, You could say that. (laughs) Um, yeah, we broke a record this past, um, Wednesday it was, Wednesday night, well, technically Thursday morning, we broke the record for latest, uh, latest time to put, to turn in our print production to our printer, the Claremont Sun, at 4.32 in the morning. The previous record was like 3.35, but I had been here from... 3 p.m. and then I was doing newswire work until about 4:45 that morning. And how did you end up in this position, just spending all your time in the newswire office until 4:40 in the morning? Uh, how did I? How did? How did I end up on that specific night? Because that's a long story. Or do you want to talk about just how I got in here? general? How you got into the editor in chief position? Well, see, this this is a kind of fun thing. I never wanted to be part of Newswire. I, specifically, when I came out as a first year, I said I would not be part of the student newspaper. I helped run the, and I'm putting quotation marks in the air for people who can't see. I ran a student newspaper, which was really more of like a student magazine when I was in high school. I was pretty much completely on my own. Didn't really have like any advisor, a terrible time, you know, getting articles turned in, getting this, that, and other. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not joining the student newspaper. Um, and I came in for a meeting. I had two friends who, of course, like only ever wrote one article. Like they weren't even big parts of the newswire or anything. 
they cajoled me into into coming to a meeting. Um, I said I would only take one article. I took that article. I wrote it. The next week, the campus page editor at the time said, you're going to write for me again. And now I'm here. Oh, and just <laughs> one thing led to another. Well, and now you're sitting in the, the head chair. Yeah, you know, it really was that year. I, I, was, I was saying to you that I had those two friends who, you know, like wrote mm-hmm. one article. But there weren't a lot of people in my year who were interested in Newswire. By the end of the year, there were there was only me and one other person who were actually writing articles pretty regularly that weren't just on the opinion page. And then um, at the end of the year, I got a text. Uh, they had had the applications up for page editors for a while, and they hadn't had enough people apply. So I, I got a I got a text from Kevin. Still have it on my phone. Kevin's the former editor in chief. Like, hey, you seem like you might be interested in this page editor thing. So I interviewed, and I got it, and then I was really excited to become the managing editor. But then, you know, when I was managing editor, I just saw how much work editor-in-chief was. I wasn't sure I'd be able to take it on, but um, I-, I am. I'm doing it. I'm here. Right so, here. It's right in front of us. all happening right Yeah, now. I'm sitting in the chair and everything. Well... Leading up to that, what were some of your most memorable experiences, you know, moving through the ranks in the newswire, I guess you could say? Ooh, most memorable experiences. Like, really, and you're you're able to attest to this, Hunter, but, like, newswire is, like, my biggest commitment at Xavier besides, you know, graduating. Ah, ha, yeah, ha. I mean, I think any of us who are involved, really, it's a <laughs> big commitment for all of us. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, especially the past few years, it didn't used to be this way, but Newswire has also become, like, a big family and with, like, you having a ton of friends here, people you take classes with, all that different thing didn't really used to happen before. People at Newswire actually didn't used to like each other. There was a lot of fighting. Um, but things have changed. And, yeah, I spend, like, most of my, my Xavier time, like, in or around Newswire. And a few times... Uh, I'll give you one from when I was uh, a writer and one from when I was a page editor that are the most memorable. I remember my first article was for the Memorial Garden, the Walt Bonville Memorial Garden out by Albers. And I went to the dedication of it um, that Father Graham spoke at. <laughs> and, you know, I was writing everything up, you know, the, the, there was a ceremony, they talked about uh, Mr. Bonville, they talked about um, some things they have around the garden for, you know, memorializing those who have uh, gone on before us. And then I was realizing, oh my gosh, I have to get a quote from Father Graham. And I, I had one of my friends, she was with me, and you know, she was like standing there, she was awkward, I was awkward, Father Graham was awkward, he, we like made <laughs> eye contact, he like, he like knew I needed to talk to him, I never got a quote, I never oh, no. got a quote, no, it was so awful, um, but I haven't thought about that in like years actually, but now that, now that you said that, that like came to mind, um, Really, I could just go on and on about different memories from like that year alone. But when I was a page editor, it was October. It was a, a, a fated, a fated issue. Um, but um, so my this other memory I have is from October of it must have been 2018. It was uh, it was a terrible time for Newswire. We had just. Um, 
uh, lost one of our page editors. She couldn't work with us anymore. We had just had a our editor in chief at the time actually go on medical leave. So um, Kevin Thomas was the interim editor in chief, as well as managing editor, as well as arts and entertainment editor. Um, as well as business manager, like all these different things. And I was always the last page editor. Um, so we were up until 3.30 that morning um, working on the paper. And around like 2.15 or something, like everyone else was gone. It was just us two. And I started talking about how I liked frogs for some reason. And he, he peeks his head around the door. There's a, there's a wall between us. And he peeks his head um, around the door and he goes, Do you like lizards? I go, Yes. And he says, do you have a car to pick up crickets? And that is the story of how Robert got here. Robert is a bearded dragon who did not live in Gallagher for a year undetected and illegally. Um, And yeah, that's how we came here. Robert, the Newswire legend. Yes, yes. So tell me, from all of your experiences working as a staff writer and Mm -hmm. as a page editor and as managing editor and now the editor-in-chief, What have you learned from your experiences with Newswire? (laughs) I have learned a bunch of random things. I have learned, um, you know, a a lot of things like with AP style. Like, you can spell out all of Ohio, but you don't spell out all of California unless it's like in a header. So I've I've learned, I've picked up lots of random information. I've also picked up um, a lot of writing experience, uh, experience that it is very evident when I edit my peers' papers that they don't have. Um, I've learned to use InDesign and different Adobe products um, pretty well. And honestly, like my experience with uh, Adobe and different things from Newswire has landed me internships. Um, it has also taught me patience and how to work on a deadline very, very quickly. Um, and, uh, I, I would say that the, that's one of, one of the big things that, that I've learned, like the perseverance, the, even though you want to cry right now and like, maybe you should go on a walk to like relieve some stress, but like Jamie from Claremont said is waiting for the printing to go through right now. So, and that's what happened this past Wednesday. So <laughs> that's awesome. It sounds like you've got lots of skills that will be applicable later. And in fact, you even have now started studying journalism right yes so xavier hasn't had a journalism program for a hot minute but um, i actually started at university of cincinnati's journalism program last fall taking um, courses there um you know i'm not the biggest fan of academics as a whole and i needed to fill up the credits uh you know to graduate and uh, it just happened to work out really well financially for me to go to University of Cincinnati and take courses I cared about rather than try to find things in the communications department that kind of fit my interest here. Um, so yeah, I've been going there and it's been really nice to sort of fill that need of being able to find, you know, professors and mentors who think a lot about journalism and who have been in the field and everything and talk about it. Um, which is really exciting. And and speaking of journalism, mm-hmm. what do you think about the state of journalism in its current form? With, as some people would argue, you know, print newspapers on the way out and so forth. Oh goodness! Listen, Hunter, we read books and books and books about that. There are so many different different takes, like here and there. And honestly, like I feel like I'm always forming my opinion about that. Um, because I'm still learning a lot. Like, yeah, I've worked in this print newspaper environment, but, you know, I'm just, like, really learning about 
um, more like media based things and broadcast and my and like even from a historical lens like broadcast and mm-hmm. um, what's published who publishes it um, you know what's being reported on what's not being reported on um, so uh, I think specifically right now the state of journalism is just like the state of everything else it's a huge just burning burning fire <laughs> In my opinion, it feels like in my head, I remember um, I follow lots of reporters and uh, different people who study journalism and communications on Twitter um, as like one of my big social media things. And when COVID hit, how many journalism jobs were being cut. Um, And oh my gosh, it it doesn't make me feel great. uh in that aspect when i look at things that are broadcasted as journalism um like like and specifically broadcast journalism i writhe with anger um just at the different things not even not even just on you know things like people would be like oh msnbc oh fox news no if you look at like gigantic and if you look at like how much is owned and how much of our local um tv our local broadcasts are all owned by one large corporation um (laughs) the sinclair group and it's uh it's it's maddening but at the same time in a way it's it's really nice for me to be at uc because i can see how many people care and how many people will take a class and how many people will take a major or a minor or different things to be like okay so things are going to crap you know ad is ad revenue is down this that and other but there's like lots of reinvention especially when you look at the protests um how many um people are turning to alternative news sources that are still hold journalistic integrity like like if you look at nonprofit groups like unicorn riot or different um, things you're able to see good journalism and not just things parroting to large corporations interesting now similar to that note what do you think about student journalism and the role that student journalism especially here on Xavier's campus has to play student journalists are doing a great 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 job I don't know if you've seen like like how many different things you've seen like when we look at UNC Chapel Hill when we uh, like even at smaller schools but just in most situations, the student newspaper is independent of the university. Um, you know, they don't have an administrator looking over all of the copy before we send it out. And students are using that. Um, student newspapers are, as they should be, highlighting protests that are happening on campuses. They're looking at strikes like what's happening at the University of Michigan. Um, they're, you know, connecting administrators, like they're, they're, they're representing the administrators, you know, they're, you know, explaining their point of view and everything, but they're also, you know, representing the students in a way that can't be done without student newspapers. And, you know, like, when we talked about this a a, a tad, um, you and me, Hunter, last year you covered Cincinnati Christian University and how they suddenly closed their doors. It was completely unbeknownst to so many students and they did not have a student newspaper digging into any of that. And just like as with COVID, like this, like if there's any year that you need a student, a, a strong investigative, a strong group of people who are willing to get in, get in administrative spaces like I'm doing later today, 
um, like, this is the year for it. And this is the year that it affects people's lives. It affects whether some people live or die. And, it, I mean, like, we're writing stories about things that, like, Xavier has put students in danger with, with allowing a wind ensemble to continue. Um, with, uh, and just, you know, like, even if it's not just, like, strictly life or death, like, allowing a wind ensemble, there's also just a matter of how scared people are, uh, how scared students are, and how that isn't necessarily given, uh, given, it isn't portrayed as well through the Student Government Association. The Student Government Association is great at being that voice for the students, but, you know, they can't directly say, <laughs> when they're getting when they have someone come in for the report of the administration or when they go to people like there are so many people scared they can say that but we can have our paper where they can write out hey i'm a transfer student i feel like this is all just being screwed over and i'm wasting these only two years i have of college we're able to get that directly and i think that can be really powerful all right well i appreciate all of your thoughts and just information that you've given us today do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up this edition of Inside Newswire? Um, my thoughts are, I would have, I never thought of journalism as a career. I never really considered journalism. Um, you know, really before coming to Xavier, I didn't realize its importance. I didn't realize, you know, how much it can help. Didn't realize how much it can hurt. And I think it, it is just so crazy that we have Newswire here and how it's completely sustained by students and the efforts that students put in. And, you know, I really hope people can learn to appreciate that of student newspapers who are really putting in the work and, you know, can, can really shape uh, university policy across so many different universities or colleges or whatnot. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up. Uh, thank you, Heather. Thanks um, for just being a part of this interview. And I just look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right, listeners. We're going to move on to our next segment. We'll be back in just a second. to repeal a 2007 ban on saggy pants. The original ordinance, which presented citizens from wearing garments that exposed their underwear, was sponsored through an ad campaign that read, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that's buts with two t's. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting. And then uh, what else do we have? Uh, consumers criticized a planned yoga event that multi-billion dollar corporation Lululemon lauded as an educational course in resisting capitalism. Some found the event's tenets hypocritical after considering Lululemon profits off $198 workout hoodies. But you could learn how to resist capitalism. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Of course. Uh, quality products for quality causes. <laughs> uh, what's third? 
Two individuals have filed a class action lawsuit against Anheuser-Busch after learning that the company's Limerita products don't contain tequila. One plaintiff said, it is common knowledge and indeed definitional that a margarita contains tequila. Now, actually, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think this case is going to go through? Well, as a PVP student, yes. I do not think that this case is going to go through. Okay. Um, because it is ridiculous. Well, yes. Uh, I was going to say, like, because couldn't they just read the ingredients label? I think you make a really strong yes. case, David. Oh, boy. I, I also think it's called a limerita and not a margarita. That is true. Yeah. It, is, it is specifically not a margarita. <laughs> That's why they didn't name it that. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you have uh, just anything you want to comment on these, uh, on any of these wonderful stories? I mean, I was a big fan of the ad campaign that read "No Ifs, Ands, or Buts." That that was pretty funny. I'll be sad to see the band go. Uh, the saggy pants band. The saggy pants band. <laughs> I uh, think there's there's a lot to be said for not wearing your pants very saggy, but also, what a ridiculous band to put on in the first place. I mean, if the internet has taught us anything about Florida, <laughs> that's fair. I, I've seen the memes. I mean, if it happens in Florida. <laughs> well, that was wonderful. I thank you very much for coming on. These are always hilarious. Uh, it, it gives me a great laugh. Thank you, Mo, for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, and now we will go on to our intermission.
Welcome back, listeners. You just listened to Inspiration by Raphael Crux. Every week, the Newswire Live is updating you, the listener, on the status of COVID-19 on campus. As of Sunday, September 13th, there are a total of 15 cases in the Xavier community. So let's resume hot takes with Will Pembroke. Hi, Will. How you doing? You're back? Yeah, we're back. We're going to restart here. Yeah. David, why don't you kick us off? Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, because I've been here as well. Uh, so <laughs> Will and I are both honors students, and we have the wonderful privilege of going to the scenic honors lounge of Alter Hall. And so for hot take number one, we said that the honors lounge is the so most beautiful. scenic place on campus. You walk in. We were talking about it. I mean, the rooms in there are great, not only for studying, but for just... Just for, you know, being together with anybody, really. Just any kind of group gathering, it's great. But the best part about it, David, yes. you look out. You go, there's, yes. there's, there's big panel windows on either side. Mm. You just look out, and it's so beautiful, especially when you got the Xavier sunsets. I don't know if anybody's been seeing those lately. Though they've been on point. <laughs> I took one of the best pictures the other day I've ever taken. I know. My residents uh, came to me, uh, and they showed me a picture that they took uh, off of, like, the uh, – that little outlook on uh, Smith Hall. Mm-hmm. They took a picture of sunset there with like the St. Francis Xavier statue. Or no, it was a, it's the St. Ignatius statue, isn't it? Correct. Uh, the St. Ignatius statue right. with in the middle of that roundabout and there was a sunset. and mm, Just nice. It's so wonderful. Nice. And so, yeah, if you have the privilege or if you know someone that's yes. an honor student, get in. Just go check it out. And the chairs are wonderful as oh, well. Oh, great. The chairs are the best. Really okay. great. <laughs> Number <laughs> two. It's carried away. <laughs> Hot takes edition. So great. All right, number two here. Um, this is probably the hottest take of the three. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard COVID nineteen's a thing. I've I've vague I'm vaguely. That familiar. may be the most obvious statement I've ever made, but yes, possibly. People are talking about not just on Xavier's campus, but around college campuses in this country that the meal plans have not been worth it. You see these things on social media where people are just getting these prepackaged meals that have, like, raw meat and just terrible things, and it's just an unmitigated Mm. disaster. Not at Xavier University, people. No, sir. Not here. Hot take number two, the meal plan is worth it during COVID. Yeah. 100%. Xavier, the cafeteria, I just need to give a quick shout-out. They have been killing it lately. Yes. They finally brought mac and cheese back, and I don't think I can get enough. Every time I go in there, I'm actually kind of sad. I don't get enough. Like, I go in the line, I don't get enough mac and cheese, and I'm like – it's the best thing. It's so great. I think they're doing a fantastic job. We talked a little bit about their um, Asian cuisine the other day. Yes. It was just splendid. And I'm just, I'm a huge fan. And I am totally anti anybody hating on the meal plan here. I think it's totally worth it. Now, I do need to clear the air here and say, I am not a mac and cheese fan. Are you kidding me? I know. Very shocking. Are My you, hot hold take. Hold on, hold on. I, are you an American? Are, are we sure here? <laughs> Are you an American? I didn't you don't re- like mac and cheese? I didn't, oh. I didn't realize how Mac- McCarthyist we were getting on <laughs> Newswire Live. Just a little bit. The Committee for Un-American Food Tastes. <laughs> uh, David, David's on there. <laughs> I'm on the list. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but I am, I am not a mac and cheese fan. Uh, whatever. But guess what, point. David? The calf has everything. I know. I was going to say, I've heard vicariously that the mac and cheese has been excellent. <laughs> You like know what? Some of the of best friends. things in life are vicarious. I know. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so what's number three? Round us out with a nice little number three. Number three is just one of those that you, you, you just love. And I, yeah. I'm just going to come out right and say it. Lime scooters. Yes. 
I'm going to give also a quick shout out to Mo Junger because she came up with us. She was on the show earlier. We were yes. talking before the show and she brought this up. Lime scooters need to come back. I don't know where they went, but last year as a freshman, and maybe it's a COVID thing, but yes. last year as a freshman, I loved it. When I, If I was late to class, I would get one. If I was going somewhere on a weekend, I would get one. I would get one all the time. Okay. Yeah, I, no, I mean, yeah, they're very I probably very spent $15 a week just on Lime rides, and it was they're worth it fun. every time. They're, they're so, so much fun. fun. Oh, my gosh. They're so much fun. You're just going down. You can go down a hill. You yeah. go super fast. It's tons of fun. Oh, I mean, I had some of my best memories as a freshman here on Limes. You can ask any of my friends, anybody. It was, it, they're awesome. And I, I, I wish they would come back. The hot take here is they need to come back right now. If that means I have to pay more in tuition, more in tuition dollars <laughs> for, lime for Lime scooters, I will do it. So I actually, um, I think I might know why the Limes have been removed. Uh, so are you playing a role on why the Limes are not no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But I think, like, I know why they aren't allowed on campus currently. So, um, background, uh, summer before my freshman year, freshman year, I went to Salt Lake City, and I, like, rode around on, like, the limes with my mom and stuff. Fantastic. And I noticed a lot of, like, uh, the places around, like, the, the tabernacle uh, were basically red zoned, which means, like, mm-hmm. limes were just not allowed in their period. And... I think sometime mid fresh or uh, mid first semester was when the limes started disappearing. Was it? Yeah, they did. It was like a gradual thing. It wasn't yeah. just like overnight they all, you know, just vanished. But it was like late first semester, mid first semester, uh, around when like most of the limes were just gone. I checked the app and uh, Xavier was listed as a red zone. Oh, oh. Yeah. See, because here's the thing. I went to UC the other day. I was walking around their campus. They got limes? They have limes. They got limes. Why are they not? Why are they red zone? We're, I, oh, too many zones, too many issues. Bring them back. It also, shout been, out to uh, Bird Scooters, the black ones. Yeah, Bird. They're great. Birds Bring them all back. Bring them all back to Xavier. Why are we a red zone? I will do whatever we need to do legally to make Lime, that doesn't happen. Bird, spin, whatever your preference. We have yeah, there's, there's choices here. There's a lot of choice. There's a lot of the ride sharing scooters. All right. Well, today we learned that David doesn't like mac and cheese yeah, and that maybe. lime scooters are the best invention since sliced bread. <laughs> Specifically. You can quote us on that. All right. That's all I got for today. And I think that is about all we have. So let's take it to the outro. Listeners, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today in this episode of Newswire Live. Thank you for tuning into the show today. If you have any thoughts or feedback for the Newswire Multimedia crew, send them to Managing Multimedia Editor Hunter Ellis at ellish2 at xavier.edu. That's E-L-L-I-S-H-2 at xavier.edu. We'd like to give a special thanks to Carolyn Youngquist, a senior music education major at Xavier, who produced the music heard in today's show. Thank you also to Managing Multimedia Editor Hunter Ellis, Associate Multimedia Editor Will Pembroke, Newswire Editor-in-Chief Heather Gast, Newswire Managing Editor Alex Budzinski, and our producers, Nick Walker, Charlie Gestalder, Will Rippey. Without you, this show would not be possible. Thank you also to Heather Gast and Mo Junger for their contributions to this week's show. 
If you missed any of our episodes, you can find Newswire live on YouTube. Just search Xavier Newswire to find our channel. But of course, we would love for you to be with us live, so don't miss our next episode, which is next Monday at 7 p.m. as always. Until then, this is David Ludwig wishing you a majestic Monday evening, and stay safe, musketeers.